In the UK, type 2 diabetes now affects between 5 and 10% of the population and accounts for around 10% of our total NHS budget. For the individuals affected, treatments are effective at helping control glucose levels. However, the sequelae associated with the disease, vascular problems and a lowered life expectancy are still an issue. However, for some, remission seems to be a possibility. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor for the BMJ, and to discuss the remission, I'm joined on the line by Mike Lean, who's a Professor of Human Nutrition at the University of Glasgow, and Mike's also co-authored an analysis paper published on the BMJ.com, which impels doctors to make sure that they code type 2 diabetes remission properly. Um, firstly, Mike, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Delighted. Now, I've seen research about remission of type 2 diabetes after, for example, bariatric surgery, um, but that's in a very small population. And given that 5 to 10% of our whole country's population um, have type 2 diabetes, you know, what are the actual numbers here? How many people are, are actually going into remission? Well, you're quite right that bariatric surgery will never deal with the vast numbers of people who sadly are developing type 2 diabetes now. But what we do know is that those who do have bariatric surgery and manage you know, to, to do well in terms of avoiding complications and such like, and most of them do, the great majority of those with type 2 diabetes once again become non-diabetic. And that's, that was the sort of first evidence that said, hello, let's start thinking about what this disease actually is, why have we been treating blood glucose for all these years when actually the disease process is to do with uh, excess body fat uh, accumulation, and that's what drives the continuing disease process despite lowering the glucose with drugs. Mm. Um, and as I said in your analysis, um, there is a coding issue here, and we're not collecting the data properly on this. That's right. So we also know anecdotally that there are quite a lot of our patients who have um, often independently off their own back have managed to lose a large amount of weight. And when they come back, we check and we find they are no longer diabetic without surgery. Now, this has happened on a sort of an ad hoc um, anecdotal basis. And those people who, who, you know, they begin to mount up, but those people are not currently being identified in our medical record systems as having achieved a remission. In other words, it's not recognized that they are no longer diabetic. They have been diabetic for perhaps a period of time. They now have completely normal tests. They're no longer diabetic or they have reduced themselves into the category of impaired glucose tolerance, which means they're still no longer diabetic. So we're asking doctors now to, to be aware of this, to be aware of the fact that particularly early in the disease, it is possible to achieve a remission through usually major weight loss. And that's the critical and most important dominant factor. If they've achieved a remission, they no longer have uh, diabetic blood tests, either a glucose tolerance test or more commonly in our hemoglobin A1C. They should be identified and recoded as diabetes in remission. And the importance of that is that uh, we can then go back to the national records and, and look and see what their long-term health, you know, health outcomes are, are like. And it, it probably will depend how long they were diabetic and what age they were and such like. Yeah. At least we'll be able to identify those who've taken the plunge, lost the weight, become non-diabetic again. And they need a pat on the back. They need more than a pat on the back. They need some sort of reward, in my opinion. Yes. Now, you mentioned there glucose tolerance tests and HbA1c and things. So I suppose it's important to actually define what you're meaning by remission, um, sort of in terms of the, the, the kind of tests that would be done um, to look at that. 
That's exactly right. And it becomes a little bit of a can of worms when we look at this internationally. What we have said and in our paper for BMJ is that if a patient, a person, um, has uh, blood tests, and that means either glucose tolerance tests or hemoglobin A1C, which are not diabetic, then and they're not on treatment, you're not on drug treatment for mm-hmm. their diabetes or insulin, then we have to regard them as being in remission if they were previously diabetic and they are now no longer diabetic. Um, that we have said is, is um, you know, sort of by definition, you are then in, demi- in remission biochemically. And we feel also that that should be confirmed. So one test on its own might be a rogue, you know, an, an odd one. We need to have a second test to confirm it. And we also feel that it should be checked annually to, to, to see whether that person has remained in remission and you know, what, what their status is. So we can then identify people and put a, a duration on the remission of their diabetes, just as we can put a duration on the of the time when they were diabetic. Hmm. That, this is, now, this is, at this stage is a proposal. And we're quite excited that uh, the Diabetes UK, which is the charity which represents people with diabetes, lobbies for them and acts on their behalf, as well as working with professionals like like me, doctors who deal with diabetes. Diabetes UK has set up a working party and plans to um, write a position statement to define remission of diabetes. Now, they they almost certainly won't just accept what we proposed in the British Medical Journal, although I think that's not a bad start. Um, they will look at other potential criteria, um, and there are one or two which have been proposed around the world, um, and these often have, have been restricted to patients who've gone through bariatric surgery, but it's now being recognized, at least in the in UK, that we need to have a, an agreed definition of what we mean by a remission of diabetes, and how we confirm it, and how we put a, a duration on it. Um, and that, that's uh, you know in discussion at the moment, and it's probably worth reflecting that I understand the American Diabetes Association has thought about it and decided that they would not issue a position statement, although the members of that, that organization have had their own proposals published. So there is a, um, you know, I think UK is stepping a little bit ahead of, ahead of the game on this one. Mm. Um, I mean, would you say that it's actually a controversial um, thing to say that, that there is such a thing as diabetes remission? And, and how do the people that, that, maybe don't agree with that, uh, to find someone who then has a normal HbA1c test on multiple well, occasions. Okay, this, is it controversial? Yes, it most certainly is. Um, there is a body of opinion which says, once you're diabetic, you're diabetic for life. It's a permanent diagnosis. It's an incurable condition, and you need to keep taking the tablets. Um, and you can see buried in that is um, a belief which, which comes from somewhere that the, the, the word diabetes equals take tablets. And I think this kind of goes back to a, a very simple thing. That certainly when I was a medical student, and, and even now, uh, to, to paraphrase um, um, uh, a conversation, if, a, if a, a person goes to their GP and whatever, for whatever reason, and their urine is tested and then their blood is tested, and it's found to be diagnostic of diabetes, they're often told um, exactly that. This is um, type 2 diabetes, and we'll treat it with tablets, and you need to just come back every year, and we'll keep a check on you. That's how it's been, and I mean that. I mean, don't knock the medications which have been been produced, and there are many of them very, very clever, and they certainly do reduce the blood glucose, and that certainly does have a small effect on the uh, microvascular and macrovascular complications. But sadly, uh, we know very well that it 
it doesn't take away the disease process and the complications, both microvascular and macrovascular, do continue. So if we can render them completely normal biochemically, then and they're no longer diabetic by definition, then uh, it's very hard to imagine how they could have complications of a disease progressing that they haven't, they haven't got that disease any longer. Now, this is still slightly in the air, and we need that's why we need to have uh, people who've achieved a remission of their, their diabetes uh, recorded as such, so that we can then, in time, uh, you know, get the long-term data. We have fantastic data collection now. For example, in Scotland, every person has diabetes, whether it's type 1 or type 2. Every single person is now on a register. Um, we have information dating from the time of diagnosis, which can then be used to follow them up. We can see how their tests are doing, what treatments they're on. Um, and that's a national resource, which, which is very valuable. But at the moment, we have only tiny numbers, about I think it's about 250 in the whole country, who have been recorded as being in remission. Now, we know, from even just from talking to friends, that there are many more than that. Um, and mm. so that's the first step is to, is to record those people in remission and get really good cast-iron data on what their long-term health outcomes are going to be. So you've got different associations with potentially different sort of ideas about, about what remission means. What are people actually doing to try and, you know, define that a bit more, maybe research it a bit more? Um, well, the, the, the biggest and most important thing that's been done probably in the history of type 2 diabetes is starting up this trial called DIRECT. It's the Diabetes Remission Clinical Trial, which has been funded by Diabetes UK. Bless them. This is the most expensive single trial ever funded in, in the entire history of Diabetes UK. They live on donations, which have come from uh, a variety of sources. Uh, we, we really have to encourage those individuals who have, who have provided the funds that allow Diabetes UK to do the work that we are now doing for the benefit of people with diabetes. I was just going to say, I mean, it might be worth taking a step back at this point, because um, I mean, what is actually happening physiologically, biochemically, um, when someone seems to, to, to be in remission from diabetes, um, what's changing? Well, and I think what our, it's a very simplistic but very true observation that people, uh, whatever your genes, are very unlikely to develop type 2 diabetes unless there is excess body fat. Now, that excess body fat doesn't have to be, you know, obesity doesn't have to be a very high degree, but it has to be, you know, a substantial amount of excess body fat if it's put in places where it's going to do damage. And those places are um, obviously the heart directly, but the ones we're more concerned about are the liver and the pancreas. And using modern uh, magnetic resonance methods, it's possible now to see, to quantify the amount of fat in the liver and in the pancreas. And there's a, a very clear association between having excess fat in the liver, excess fat in the pancreas, with the being diabetic, um, having, having uh, abnormal glucose tolerance test, high hemoglobin A1C. And there, there is some as a threshold which probably varies between individuals at which they start developing the microvascular complications and, there's, and developing an excess of macrovascular disease. Um, and that, so that, um, that threshold, we can't identify exactly, but we know it must be there somewhere because they say if, if people never become fat, then they simply never become diabetic. And that's this, this concept of a, a sort of personal fat threshold where mm. people and, – and there will be other factors. Being, being overweight is not the only factor which, which moves people towards being diabetic, but it is the dominant one. It's far and away the most important, and it's the most 
potentially easily reversible. The other other things which which contribute would include physical activity. So we know that people uh, are uh, protected up to a degree by physical activity. They can't have their risks removed completely. You know, if they if they are at risk of diabetes and become overweight, but physical activity will certainly help. Eating more fruits and vegetables, eating more dietary fibre. Um, and, and you go down the list, and a little bit more magnesium in the diet is, is obviously helpful. Um, the glycemic index has been heavily promoted. Now, all these things are promoted heavily for commercial reasons, but have pretty small effects compared with the very, very dominant effect of being overweight. Now, how that translates directly from you know having excess body fat, too much fat in the liver and pancreas, then abnormal glucose tolerance, and then microvascular disease, there are many steps in this, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be able to, and we simply don't know the details of all those steps. But if you can break that disease process um, and, and take us back to a normal, a state of normal, normal metabolic state, then that disease process can't progress. And you know, we see, we see, we've got very, very good evidence that reducing the blood glucose by any number of different drugs will. Um, modify and reduce the, the, the progression towards microvascular disease. It, it, it doesn't stop it completely, but it certainly reduces and improves it. So we know we're on the right track. And people who uh, have the greatest falls in their blood glucose have the greatest improvements. Um, what the missing link in this is to, to be able to say, and people who've become absolutely normal, who are no longer diabetic, off all treatment, do they then are they then completely spared the complications? And they, they probably should be unless they've already gone down that track by you know, having diabetes for a period of time, which wasn't, wasn't reversed, wasn't sure. early on. And it's, you paint a, a, a strong picture of, of why you know, weight loss, fat loss particularly is, is particularly important in this. But we also know that that's very hard for people to well do, um, but especially to maintain. Um, so, I mean, are you confident that, that diet is really the way that on maybe a population level um, that this, this huge problem of, of growing levels of type 2 diabetes in the population can actually be tackled? Well, you've, yes, you've, I mean, we now have, this is an, I mean, diabetes is an epidemic, just as obesity, it's syndemic, I think is what it's been called. These are two epidemics which are essentially the same thing. Um, and the way you deal with epidemics is not by telling individuals to change their behavior and exercise willpower. The way you deal with an epidemic is at a governmental level, and it needs to deal with the um, behaviors and environment which have led to that epidemic. And that, I'm afraid, means we have to take a grip on those factors, largely food marketing and, where we can, uh, the the um, reduction in physical activity, which have led to the, the epidemic of obesity and diabetes. Um, governments are not willing to do that for, for, for a variety of reasons, but there's going to come a time when I think they're going to have to. It's, uh, it represents a, you know, a breakdown of the free market if, if um, selling cheap and selling more food um, has generated so much disease that we actually have to do something about it. Having said that, during any, any epidemic, we have to help the individuals affected. And that is why, where we, the only way we're going to be able to do that at the moment is by helping as many people as we can to uh, combat the disease process by losing the excess fat. And, and from a, an individual point of view, it means helping the maximum number of people to lose the maximum amount of body fat, weight, um, and then a, a proportion will become non-diabetic again. 
uh, from a public health um, or health service point of view, we have to look at the efficiency of the interventions and perhaps um, recognize that some people are going to struggle to the degree that it is and it becomes uh, uneconomic to to keep trying to help them. And so that's a, that's a discussion for another day. What we do know, though, for, for sure, is that if people can lose a substantial amount of weight, most of them, over over half, and this is from not from our, our current research, which we haven't yet published, but most uh, over half of all people who go through bariatric surgery, for example, and who are going to lose somewhere in excess of about two stones, 15 kilos, most of them will be non-diabetic um, at the end of it. And you know, that that is huge numbers of people. I mean, it's, it's up to 10% of the entire adult population um, who currently are being treated with ever-increasing expensive drugs and multiple drugs. And most of our diabetic patients are on three, four, five different drugs because they're diabetic. And some of those are to lower the blood glucose. And commonly now they're on two and three drugs for that purpose. Um, they will mostly be on drugs to reduce their blood pressure as well because overweight people with diabetes very commonly are hypertensive as well. And they often need two or three drugs. They often need other medications because of their weight, which, which we, we might be interested in. That includes painkillers, antidepressants. Um, in our current project, we are um, sort of mimicking what the surgeons have done, but without surgery. So we're using the very best evidence-based program, not just to lose the weight, which actually patients find relatively easy, but to um, support patients for long-term maintenance of that weight loss. And that is much harder. Um, so we're doing those those two things, but uh, you know, stopping their antihypertensive and their anti-diabetic drugs, and only introducing them again if they need them. And I think it'd be fair to say that a very large number are not needing to go back on those drugs if they're able to lose the weight. With weight loss, it's a, it's sort of a commonplace that losing the weight is relatively easy. They know how to do that; they've done it before. But what they really struggle with is avoiding. Uh, regain once they go back to the habits that they have regarded as normal for an entire lifetime. So what we're actually having to do here is to say, okay, there are, your normal, the thing that you as a patient who's become diabetic and overweight, uh, have, your normal for your lifetime has led to this, and we're going to have to help you, support you, guide you um, to adopt a new normal, um, but you're going to keep the same job and home and friends and local environment. And this is really quite difficult. And for that, we've, we've been developing a program mainly well, in Scotland here with help of Scottish government, thank bless them, um, which has been developing and improving a program for long-term weight loss maintenance. Most people are able to lose, uh, in our experience, most of the people who come forward are able to lose two stones, 15 kilograms. Um, they do it in about three or four months. And um, the majority of them are able to keep that off at least at one year. So, you know, it, it isn't all doom and gloom. And we're improving our, our methods the whole time. So the, the programs that we have, and I should sort of stress this, that what we've been developing um, has been still in relatively small numbers. We've, we've just completed a, a review of total audit of just under 300 patients who, who have been treated in primary care. They don't see any specialists. And they have lost somewhere around about 15 kilograms. It's, it's uh, hopefully going to be published fairly soon. Um, and, um, you know, th th this is done without any specialist input and without any medications. So, I mean, in, in terms of cost, people have shrunk back and said, my goodness, this is a hugely expensive weight management program. Well, it's a lot less than bariatric surgery. And it's a lot less than some of the drugs that we're using to treat the complications of obesity. I mean, it's... 
I think for the one of the first times, I, I'm speaking to to someone who looks at diabetes in depth, and they sound actually hopeful about the future here. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've been, I have, I was, I've been trained as a diabetologist for heaven knows, I, I believe it's something like forty years. It's scary, and uh, I, I guess we've, I've seen a lot of water passing under a lot of bridges, and the, the frustration that that. Um, I mean, I think I went into diabetes care very early on thinking this is the way we're going to actually nail heart disease. And it was I started off as a, as a heart surgeon, oddly enough, and I saw a lot of our patients had diabetes. And I thought, oh, come on, a preventable disease, let's deal with diabetes. Um, and, you know, I went into that pretty optimistically and using all the means available and then getting a bit frustrated because the problem actually was, was that the disease kept progressing, whatever we did. And the underlying disease is actually being overweight and obese. And that led me to do a lot of research, which finally, ultimately, took us into defining the uh, the waist circumference as a key factor and, and and a key component of metabolic syndrome. And that is the syndrome which 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 is which identifies those people who become overweight and get the metabolic complications, the diabetes, the high blood pressure, the high cholesterol, the heart disease. Um, so now we've come sort of almost full second back to say, right, what we need to do is to deal with the the weight gain. And the obesity, and I can help individuals. We're doing our best to do that, and, and I hope this will deal with the individuals who happen to have diabetes. But the same principles apply to many others. And then, at the same time, putting on my public health hat, I've been working on prevention programs, focusing particularly on young adults because that's the age group where they're not yet severely obese, not yet diabetic, and where an opportunity to prevent further weight gain. And we've used clever in, in IT methods. Um, in randomized trials to to prevent weight gain in young people. And I think there's a huge future there. That's the real way to deal with this epidemic if we're going to tackle it at an individual level. So you, you can address very large numbers using IT or mobile health methods, and that's, that's what we're working on at the same time. Uh, the big frustration, of course, is that, uh, and you have to be a bit unkind here, the, the food industry is brilliant. They've made beautiful, tasty food at incredibly cheap prices. But their principle is sell as much as possible, sell more if you can. And we will have to you know, take the uh, take the consequences if, if this has um, uh, it causes causes damage to some of uh, some of the consumers. And so, you know, there comes a point, as I say, when 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 public health prevention at a population level has to step in and, and perhaps we haven't reached it yet. But some countries somewhere will suddenly say, right, we have to put some serious rules down here and it's no good just saying oh we'll put a little tax on sugary drinks and that that's um and that's just, that's a, an indication we're going to do something it won't deal with the problem we need to be greatly more ruthless than that you've been listening to mike lean talk about diabetes remission and the article we mentioned beating type 2 diabetes into remission is now available on bmj.com if you've enjoyed this subscribe we're on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts from There you'll find over 200 of our previous episodes, all available for free. Rate and review us. It helps us know what you like and allows others to find us too. That's all for this podcast. Next time we'll be talking to Choosing Wisely UK about their campaign to reduce medical overuse and what they've learnt from their international partners. Thanks for listening.